there is only one queen. Long live Queen Elizabeth. God save the queen. All that's happened on my watch is the place has fallen apart. The Crowncast. A new watch-along podcast series from News Talk. The Crown. The Crown. The Crown must win. Two women running the shop. That's the last thing this country needs. Perhaps that's precisely what this country needs. My goal is to change this country from being dependent to self-reliant, and I think in that I am succeeding. Joblessness, recession, crises. It's a dangerous game to make enemies left, right, and center. Not if one is comfortable with having enemies. Are you? Oh, yes. The Crowncast. Kira Kelly here from News Talk Breakfast. Welcome to Crowncast, where we're going to be looking at the new series of The Crown. Obviously, episode uh, 1 to 12 are dropping on Sunday on Netflix. Um, I'm going to be sitting down with some of my fellow News Talk presenters. We're going to be chatting about uh, the Netflix phenomenon that is The Crown and you know, the themes, the costumes, the clothes, the acting, all of that. Uh, and we will look at each episode individually and discuss what worked and perhaps what didn't work in all things royal. Uh, so put out put out the old tea cosy and the cup of tea and polish up your crown jewels because this is the crown cast. Um, and joining me now to discuss the back, I suppose, story to coming up to, to season four, season one to three, is John Fardy, News Talk's own screen time. John Fardy, who uh, you will know as knowing much more about television and film than I ever have. John, you're very welcome to Crowncast. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Your virgin guest, as you might say, in a royal kind Well, of that's way, how I, you know? I, I think of you. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, but, but obviously the crown has been a phenomenon. It's been a massive success mm. on Netflix and people are glued to Netflix, I suppose, now more than ever yeah. in lockdown 2.0 because there's nothing else to do. Uh, a big deal that that, that um, the crown is dropping on Sunday. Lots of people will probably binge watch it on Sunday uh, and mm. over the coming days. But equally, some people will dip in and out of it over the next week or two. Now, we will be doing uh, a podcast every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at six talking about the individual episodes. But bring us right back, John to series one which was several years ago now I think it's about three or four years ago now um, where we we were first introduced to the royal family in a, in a way we had never seen before where, where, where Claire Foy kind of burst onto our screens as the young Queen Elizabeth Yeah and just on that like to me it's a big surprise that it's as good as it has been and the phenomena it's become because when I heard about it I didn't watch it initially because I thought you know the royals it's not really my bag it sounds a bit like a you know a TV movie or something like oh I am undone Prince Philip I just thought that's going to be really boring and then when I watched it I, I just couldn't get over how well written it was how superbly casted it was you know and how much money they'd thrown at it because this was like Downton Abbey to the power of 10 you know and as I say the casting is just phenomenal so maybe we'll get to that anyway just I wasn't a believer until I watched it like in theory I thought that's a terrible idea Who, who'd want to watch that and then I watched it and I thought god this is very you know, good I was a bit the same in that I'm not an enormous sort of royal lover or anything like that the way way lots of people might be and I kind of watched it because people were talking about it and Mm. I thought it would be nearly something you would dip into and, and maybe not pay much attention to 
but there is depth to to the acting in this series and you do see that kind of controlled repression that that Elizabeth wears throughout mm. all of the series of of the crown and she's portrayed despite her coldness sometimes towards other characters in, in a sympathetic way. Absolutely. And, you know, they've obviously gone outside of the confines of reality because they don't know what goes inside her head. And so, I mean, some of the plot points are very accurate, but some of them we just don't know. It's behind closed doors and some of it's clearly made up. But, you know, who, who really cares? I mean, let Peter Morgan off its work. But yeah, so it starts with Claire Foy. She was, the, she was Queen Elizabeth in the first two series. And the first one begins on the day of her wedding, if you, if you might remember. And the first series is all about her becoming queen in essence and taking up the reign and transforming I suppose from like this young woman to being the queen of England which which the crown yeah, yeah especially back then even more so than now was such a huge deal around the world not not just in England and then what it did brilliantly though was you know bring in people like Churchill and also her sisters and her father her sister I should say Margaret who who's kind of possibly deserving of a whole series in and of herself and yeah. and lately in the latter ones has been played by Helena Bonham Carter you know there, there was also the death of her father which was handled really well how uh, the abdication of uh, Edward VIII I, I sometimes I get my Roman numerals mixed up but there's so many of them you think they could just have proper names and it brought in all the real world stuff and kind of fictionalized the emotions around it and did it brilliantly and and at the end of season 1 you were she was if you remember Claire Foy was it, it ended she was in full queen regalia and she just had this look on her face of I'm in control am I in control and it was it was spine tingling in a way how good she was as that slightly confused but also incredibly confident it was monarch like in that season we saw her sort of grow into the role because uh, you mentioned the abdication the abdication of her her uncle yeah uncle forced her yeah. dad to become the king yeah and and he was son number two he was never expecting to be king his kids were never supposed to be in the royal line particularly yeah and, and it changed the abdication of Edward changed their lives and thrust her dad who we probably remember from the king's speech as, as being sort of shy and mm. self-effacing and having a big stammer into in, he he was the crown and and, and that seemed to be something that I, I suppose none of us on the outside looking in would have ever given much thought to, you know, a whole family's life been changed in terms of its trajectory. But it was unexpected for, 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 for her dad, George, and for herself, Elizabeth. And it put their, her life on a path that she kind of had to grow the head that would fit the crown, didn't she? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, your point is well made in that we read these headlines all our lives the abdication of him and the divorce of her and all that and, and, and the strange you know complicated lives they all led but you don't really you don't think about the emotion certainly back then of what was going on and I guess that's the genius of the crown like you say for this woman to be thrust upon it and, and the way their lives because of being a royal can change and, and the whole course of your life change because of the death or the abdication of someone else you know and, and the crown was brilliant at doing that and in fairness still continues to be as well I think though you know when you get up to Princess Diana and stuff we've thought more about that like our generation have kind of whereas in, I hadn't given two thoughts before to how 
Queen Elizabeth felt about taking no. on the crown, you I, know? I have to say, I, I, I never gave it much thought myself. Um, the relationships within the royal family, I, I, that would be something that I would have sometimes wondered about because they, right. they live in, in, in a... In a, in a a golden goldfish bowl. I mean, I mean, they live lives of extreme prejudice. But the idea that they might achieve any kind of personal self fulfilment, you know, or pursuit of their own individual dreams, is is clearly not the case. Um, one of the the things that stands out for me over the course of all three of the series we've seen mm. is the relationship between Elizabeth and Margaret. That sibling rivalry, yeah. where where the one who is flamboyant and, and and vivacious, who is the younger sister, who might have actually adored being queen mm. of course would never have the chance to, to be queen and the one who who was quiet and more mousy and perhaps more measured became the queen and, and they, they were jealous of each other but about different aspects of their lives yeah it, it's funny isn't it I admire you and you admire me for the reasons we kind of hate about ourselves and that kind of brings us nicely to season two if I may move us on slightly I know you're presenting and I'm merely you know sitting opposite you <laughs> fire away John <laughs> no but you see what, what I thought happened in season two and, and to my mind so far it's the best one because the, the characters around her are built out more and in particular her marriage to Prince Philip and what they did, like in a way, the thing that's been, you know, most intriguing in, in, in some measure has been the Prince Philip character, first played by Matt Smith, then by uh, Tobias Menz, Menz, Menzies. And he, he was in Game of Thrones, people will know, is just how like a spoiled child he has at times in relation to, you know, his wife being more famous than yes. she is. And that really comes up in season two. And also his... You know, let's be honest about it. It was her present, but his kind of lecherous past, you know, and getting involved in all sorts of strange things in these famous Thursday lunch clubs. And that was really well done. I'm sure they were beside themselves when <laughs> they Do watched you know what? it. I I don't want to jump into season three just yeah. yet because you're right because their marriage is semi-fascinating mm. and, and the accommodations dare I say that they make yeah. for each other um, I think she makes I, more accommodations for him than he is for her might. certainly on a physical level let's say and, and, and you're right in that you could see he, he, he was irked by her her more prominent role and him playing second fiddle to the crown mm. in the same way actually Tony Armstrong Jones did at times to Margaret it must be quite hard to be married to a female royal in, in an era where, where male privilege was so dominant and, and these guys had to subvert the norm for themselves and all, you know even the fact that, that he's not King Philip he's Prince yeah. Philip because he, you know a, a king when he gets married gets a queen but because kings are considered a bit cooler than queens if a queen gets married she can't have a king there so she only gets a prince you yeah. know what I mean it was he was confined by the, but I, I feel a bit sympathetic towards Philip because I suspect living that very controlled life under the the, the watchful eye of the, the British press mm. and all of that must have been difficult and that in many ways they, they found their way getting through it, shall we say, yeah. not to give too much away if anyone wants to go back and look at it by way of spoilers. But but yes, uh, they don't have a conventional marriage, I don't think, but there is a kind of an affection between them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess there is. Accommodation keeps coming back. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I suppose the reason why I'm so cool on him is what we see in season two as well is how he treats a young Prince Charles. Like he says at one point, you know, I think we got it backwards. We got a boy for a girl and a girl for a boy meaning uh, his, his yeah and that like Charles and as we know if I and if I had to pick a favourite you know and I'm a 
working class Dublin kid of a Republican background, it's very hard for me to spit this out. But if I had to pick a favourite royal, it would always have been Prince Charles. And I love, it's it's kind of heartbreaking, this sensitive soul who doesn't want to go to this boarding school in Scotland. And Prince Philip is kind of rotten to him because he wants him to be a stiff upper lip. And that's kind of, it's very affecting in great TV, but he, he's kind of horrible. He doesn't have the wherewithal to realise this boy is just cut from slightly different stuff. And he's just afraid he's gay, ultimately, which is awful, you know? So that's which why I'm slightly... He isn't. No, if, if, no, if, we, if we skip forward to tell. season three, towards the end of season three, they do tee up the beginning of the relationship between... Charles and Camilla mm. and Camilla arrives into his life and Charles is clearly besotted with her yeah. he is a very sensitive boy he 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 tries the stiff upper lip he joins the navy but but he is ultimately manipulated repeatedly and and it's not just his dad who is pretty hard on him uh, Elizabeth is also I thought very hard on mm. Charles in fact there isn't any great affection shown towards affection as opposed to you know they're not negligent or anything but there isn't yeah. any great affection shown towards any of their kids really no I, 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 absolutely not and before we jump to season three incidentally just to, to give people a, a rounded picture of it I suppose in season two what happens and I don't want to go up a, a crown rabbit hole or down a do you go up or down a rabbit hole I'm not I sure don't know. I don't want to get into a rabbit hole here with episode this and episode that but in season two what happens a bit more is that you know wider issues come in like she meets Jackie Kennedy and that's a kind of fascinating role play thing that happens there and Jackie Kennedy tries to you know one up her a bit and then you know the guy what was his name again Lord Arlington who kind of forces her to kind of modernise the royal family and she begins this Christmas address and stuff I thought that was really well handled in series two and she doesn't want to borrow of it to begin with but then it becomes the Queen's message and all so I thought it was clever in season two the way they did that and we haven't even mentioned in season two you know that we've loosely mentioned it but, but Princess Margaret the, uh, Captain P- uh, Peter Townsend wasn't that his name oh, he's moving was, on that, and that ultimately I think that relationship being forced to, to end or or she could have given up everything and, and run off with him mm. in, in the same way that, that uh, Edward was forced to abdicate she could have done that but the fact that she gave him up seems to have defined a, a deep rooted unhappiness in her relationships for the rest of her yeah. life Margaret really yeah well you, you know, know we see that continue yeah and then when you get to, I'm hopping all over the place here but in season three you know and it's right near the end of it her marriage to Anthony Armstrong Jones is the Earl of Snowden I mean that's in trouble as well so it seems that this may have been the great doomed love affair of her life that she never quite recovered from you know and it's really sad the way season three ends up but 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 no spoilers yes. Bring us into season three now. The, the, the cast change. What did you make of the cast change when, when, when we, we turned our back on one bunch of actors playing the younger versions of, of the various royal characters and moved on to a, a slightly older cast of actors playing the more young middle-aged yeah. versions of the characters? I, I thought they were terrific. I just think, you know, Peter Morgan... It's great at casting. I actually interviewed Victoria Hamilton, who played Queen Mother in season one, and she was saying that, like, the casting took like six months like you didn't get word for ages like they were not to be rushed on this and I actually thought the casting has improved Claire Foy was great but I think Olivia Coleman is brilliant and what she's brought to this and Helena Bonham Carter is just I mean she she brightens up anything she does I've never seen anything that I thought this is bad even kids movies she's just she amazing she has the perfect unstable energy. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm. That you, you Yes, I do. You see that she's vivacious, you see that she's charismatic, you see that she's the life and soul of the party, but you know 
that she could crack and indeed does and we don't want to get into that too much as I yeah. say for people who haven't looked at it yet but but she has a, a, a an energy and a vulnerability she's a fascinating character yeah and she has that as you say kind of darkness on the edge of town vibe yeah. at the side of her and she's just brilliant and as we say the trauma in our romantic life continues now season three for fans and I'd probably go along with this it's probably the weakest of the three I think that's a common consensus and the feeling yeah, is and I, I would agree with this is that it got too much into what was going on in the in the world outside you know with the and well actually it was very well handled but there was that mining disaster in Wales moon landings you yeah. know minor strikes that they and, 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 they seem know, to set the personal against the, the global and the political yeah. backdrop of the time very deliberately in, yes in too deliberately whereas in season one and two you felt it kind of bled in more whereas in season three it was almost like they were trying to m- make statements about things you know and as well when you get into the 70s in British life I mean probably not that different to here but it's a pretty grim kitchen sink kind of well, place well it was they were you know? electricity cuts uh, yeah. tightening of belts um, fear fear of Russia seems yeah. to define a lot of it yeah absolutely and you know and then there's the Harold Will. it's not a spoiler it's in the public domain the season 3 ends with the Harold Wilson resignation and there was just a bit too much of the of the political over the personal. Now that said, right, so but season three was still, you know, 99% better than most of the things you would watch, I would say. Like it was never dull at any stage. It just no. didn't hit the high water mark of season two. Season four, now I know you're going to be getting into that, but just like to, to bookend this, I don't know how much more time we have, but I've watched the first four and I, I think people are in for a treat and kind of the two defining relationships of it, and I won't go past this if any spoilers are... Gillian Anderson playing Margaret Thatcher with Olivia Colman. Their relationship is brilliant in it. You also see a bit about Margaret Thatcher's relationship with her husband, Dennis, which is really nicely done. And then Princess Diana, played by Emma Corrin, and Josh O'Connor playing Uh, Prince Charles. uh, And can I I just tell you one tiny thing? Please do, yeah. I, you kindly played a clip of an interview I did with the two of them on breakfast, on your breakfast show last week. Not that I had breakfast with them, but in this COVID age, you do Zoom calls with people now a lot. This is how they're doing these kind of movie interviews. And I was in this virtual waiting room and Emma Corrin popped up and the hairs in the back of my neck stood up because it's like you're. I was on a Zoom call with the young Diana. I mean, oh my she word. inhabits her. She looks the spit of her. She sounds like her. It was freaky. So the casting has continued apace in yeah. season four, you know. And you know what is very exciting about, I suppose, season four, and we don't want to get into the ins and outs yeah. of it at all, but, but, but it is, that's when I yeah. remember first noticing the royal family exactly. that era I was a kid I was primary school when yeah. um, Charles and Diana got married yeah. the whole world watched that wedding that love story that turned out to be so dramatically not love based and yeah. we, you know we, we you know, it, it started with the first one where, where they got engaged you know, the interview where they got engaged and they said are you in love and Charles, go, Charles goes what's, what, what's what love? love and ends with Martin yeah. Bashir kind of going there's three people in this marriage yeah. so so we, we were all glued to that royal soap opera yeah. at that time so to see it now is fantastic Fantastic. But before, and, and I mean, that's really why we're doing the Crown cast is because people are very interested in season four. But before we, we wrap up, mm. you've given us a brilliant overview, John, of the relationships, the casting, the acting and the quality. A few other things that are worth mentioning about it. the visuals, the, the the actual sumptuousness of the sets, the palaces, yeah. like they almost have a role in this too, 
in their own right. Yeah, they're a character in it. They really are. How it all looks and feels. And, you know, maybe in COVID now, there's something very comforting about these lush palace halls of, you know, Balmoral or wherever. Maybe there isn't a palace in Balmoral. You know what I mean, though? The way these all look. Windsor, there's a castle in Windsor. I know that for a fact. I've been in it. Balmoral is definitely some kind of a castle in Scotland. Yeah, exactly. 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 And actually, there's a really good bit in season four where Margaret Thatcher goes there and she doesn't have any riding boots. It's very funny, actually. But you're right. And again, it's the most expensive show Netflix have ever paid out for by a long shot so no expense was spared on how it looks and of course the dresses the, the pomp yeah. and ceremony they've they've pumped literally millions into that and you know from a few of these actors I've spoken to another thing they've pumped a lot of money into is research and even though there are historical you know questions about did this or not happen from what I gather the research every actor is given literally a binder on each episode and it's all this background this is what your character would have been doing this is where they would have been the night before like it's incredibly well researched that way and that's why it's not what I said at the start like this could have just been an awful TV movie the level of care they've taken with this is you know unsurpassed nearly and you know, I'm a sucker for a period drama anyway. Mm. I like all of the, the you know, the sense and sensibilities and everything. So to see such a meticulously uh, researched, as you say, uh, and delivered period drama, but one that kind of exists in living memory. Yeah. So you get the nostalgia bang off it as well. It, it's very clever of Netflix. It is. It really is clever to, to bring it up. And they're going to bring it up for two more seasons right up to date. And let's be honest about this the people who have Netflix and probably watch it most are our kind of generation, let's be honest. Yeah. Particularly now in COVID when we, you know, can't go out for dinner or whatever your choice of Saturday night entertainment is, that we're going to eat this stuff up. And even, I've, I've yeah. said it a few times, I'm not a self-avowed royalist, but I was eating up because that love story between the two of them is probably the most defining love story of our generation. If you were asked to pick a famous couple, you know, it'd probably be near the list. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was, you know, star-crossed love, that probably makes it even more poignant. So Netflix are, you know, this is going to do remarkably well for yeah. them. I, I totally agree. And I also think that, in fact, for many people, as you say, as our generation, the first three series, good and all as they were, we're all leading to this because yeah, this is the one yeah. with the meat that we all want yeah, to know. Absolutely. The prurient details of, of the ins and outs and even seeing Charles besotted in season three with, with Camilla but Camilla kind of ambivalent because she had the thing going on with Andrew Parker Bowles even, and even seeing Anne involved with Andrew Parker Bowles yeah. created fabulous sort of scandalousness about the whole and thing. And you know we didn't mention though in season three and I can't remember the actress's name but the, I thought again the casting of Camilla she was brilliant in it. The way yeah. she look, the way she sounded, how she might have been at that age. Because you have to remember a lot of people, we only started to see her when she was nearly in her 60s and you know, let's be honest about it, people are going, right, okay so he fell in love with her. That, may, that seemed a little odd to some people. But you see her in her, yeah. her when he fell in love with her and, and you got it, it was, it was brilliantly casted. You also see that Charles was isolated, mm. vulnerable, had never really been shown any love or affection by anybody and was ripe to find and fall in love with somebody because he he was a lonely little boy. Yeah, he was a lonely little boy. Also, 
wanting to give off a lot of love. You know, it's one of the most affecting pieces in in, in the whole crowd. Yeah. That, that little boy yeah. in the rain, you know. I'm going to get welled up here if we... <laughs> it's very funny because I, I have at several points in, in all the series felt very, very sorry for the characters in the mm. royal family individually. I felt very sorry for Philip when he was clearly having maybe not his midlife crisis-y bit where he was hooning around the place at the <laughs> Thursday Club, but his midlife crisis when he... That cringeworthy moment where he speaks to the astronauts who come off the moon oh, landing. Yeah, and he, yeah. he can't pull from them what he wants which is some yeah. some kind of meaning of life thing and instead yeah. like you know it's a, you can see the emptiness within him you can see the loneliness within Charles you can see the repression within the Queen and you can see the vulnerability and the brokenness within Margaret like I wasn't expecting that John I wasn't expecting to feel this way no I know that's the thing it, it has been a great revelation the crown and that's why you know I presume anyone listening to this is a Crown fan, but, you know, tell your family and friends that it's a surprise in waiting because, at essence, this is a brilliant family drama. Forget about the it fact totally that the royals. Is, yeah. And, you know, as Tolstoy said, if I can go really deep, every family is tragic in its own u- unique way. Yours and mine. Mine, certainly. I can I can tell you that. Yeah. And so we <laughs> all... want to go there. No, it's I true. know. We all respond to that. And, and really, the royal are a classic tragic family, but we all are. So that's why it works so well. Look, Thank you so much for talking to me today, John. Uh, I, I hope you will come back and, and discuss. Of course, we're, we're going to be discussing the individual episodes in detail. With I'm going to be talking to different news talk presenters, but but I want you because you're uh, let's be honest, better than the other news talk presenters to talk to me specifically. So I hope you will come back and talk to me again. I'll be doing little else between now and then. I'll be counting the beats. <laughs> Thank you so much. That is John Fardy. Uh, Anything exciting? Because this is going out tonight at six. Anything exciting on on screen time? Oh yes, indeed there is. I have Forrest Whitaker and Ricky Martin uh, who are in a new Christmas movie called Jingle Jangle. So yeah, tune in, zone out, all that good stuff. Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for talking. That is John Fardy, News Talk's own from Screen Time. The next episode of The Crowncast will be available this Monday at 6pm where I will be sitting down with my pal Shane Coleman from News Talk Breakfast to talk all things Season 4, Episode 1. Do tune in. We are, well, we're just like you. This is like Gogglebox on the radio. We are just like you. We aren't particularly expert about this, but we're watching it and we're enjoying it and I hope you will as well. Thank you so much for listening. This is Crowncast with Kira Kelly. Uh, talk to you Monday. The Crowncast podcast series from News Talk. The Crown. The Crown. The Crown must win.